Hi, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Whether you're watching a video or listening to a podcast, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. Links to videos or MP3 files can be found on MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Go to MarlenePardo.com for information on new book releases. I narrate several podcast series that can be found on major podcast platforms and can also be listened to via Alexa, Sonus, and other home systems. Look for Supernatural Storytime for scary storytelling, Nightshade Diary for classic horror and adventure stories, Stories of the Supernatural for interviews with different guests on the show. If you want to get noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, just visit Stranger Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com or find us on Blogspot. I want to thank you for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. This is Marlene with Stories of the Supernatural. How's everybody doing? Good. For my video people, my video audience, you're going to be very happy with me because I have a great video to show you, and I'm going to edit it out for the podcast version. Okay, see? That's the new addition. I got uh, a stone rooster. <laughs> and you know what? I've got plenty of roosters running around. And my dogs were like, man, that thing is really still. They hadn't noticed. And when they noticed, they went. Whoosh. But now they ignore it. They realized it's made of stone. But yeah, I love to wig my uh, dogs out every once in a while with stuff like that. Anyway, this is from those of you who've asked me for chicken videos. Well, there's my chicken video. All right. Oh, and a follow-up, because I, the last time I spoke, I, I told you about my renegade chicken that had gone under the one of my sheds, and she's on eggs, and you know what? I threw up my hands. I had another one I have right now, three. I have three broody hens on eggs. And you know what? I did it before I realized it. I want to tell you why. And then we'll get into the paranormal stuff. You know why? The other day, I went to a local feed supply and I'm store, and I'm not going to say which one. Last year, I bought six Rhode Island Reds for two ninety nine, something like that, two forty, very inexpensively. They just brought in chicks, you know, different breeds. The cheapest, the least expensive, were like six dollars, nine dollars per chick. It was like, what happened? In the space of a year, they've tripled in price. So, guess what? I'm gonna hatch my own. For, you know, even though I have a barnyard mix, I have. Uh, so yeah, that's what's happening in Marlene's Chicken Kingdom. Now, let's get on to the good part. The good part is who I have as a guest today. This gentleman, this is the first time he's been on Stories of the Supernatural. His name is John Mylor. He's an author of several books with outstanding reviews from Kirkus Goodreads, U.S. Review of Books, Pacific Book Reviews, and Reader's Favorite. He writes in a number of different genres to include his unique brand of Christian ufology, but also children's literature, sci-fi fantasy, sci-fi comedy, biographies, and poetry. He is a radio talk show guest for numerous programs such as Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie, The Art Bell Show, which I love, Art Bell. May he rest in peace. The X-Zone TV radio show with Rob McConnell, Jeff Rents, and many others. Aside from writing, he is a chief Master Sergeant in the Air National Guard, serving as the Chief of Cyber Operations for the United States Western Air Defense Sector. Um, Myler is a family man and has a wide variety of interests, ranging from myriad outdoor activities, sports, camping, fishing, canoeing, dirt bike, etc., to playing the drums, cybersecurity, and ethical hacking. Ooh, we got to ask him about that. 
help me welcome him. How are you doing today, John? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, thank you for having me on your show. No, on the contrary, it's my pleasure. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I guess you could say I'm an oddball. I don't really fit. I was going to ask you, I, I mean, it sounds like, did you get into this field, the... I mean, it looks like what this was uh, your career, and then how did you go into ufology and all the rest of it? How did that come about? Um, so I, I suppose you could say some people fed into me early on. Um, my great grandmother, so she's the one that that connects the Christian piece because my great grandfather was an evangelist, and uh, they traveled throughout the Great Depression all over the United States preaching the gospel and and on fire for God and totally, you know, she read the Bible 27 times, pretty much had them memorized. Um, yet she has a, a memory that she uh, told the family when she was five, when I was five years old, I remember it clear as day. Um, she was reading a newspaper one day and then like suddenly her eyes lit up and the whole family was there. So She's like, listen, I have, I have an announcement to make. So everybody's like, okay. The matriarch of our family is speaking. Everybody's quiet. Like it's an EF Hutton uh, moment. Yes. And uh, she starts to read this article about a UFO chase uh, in the countryside of Madeira. It basically was the scene of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, if you've seen the movie where the cops chasing the UFO yes, around. Yes, yes, This happened in Madeira. Uh, so wow. I actually searched around for newspaper articles to try to find it, but I couldn't find it. But okay. her account, from my memory, mimicked exactly that. Uh, but this occurred in Madeira, and cops were chasing these orbs of light around the country. So she read this account, and she dropped the paper on her lap, and she said, when I was a young girl, I saw a UFO. And that was the last thing that anybody would expect to hear out of grandma visitation from Jesus, which she actually had. Um, that's more in line. You're thinking, you know, angelic encounters, things like this, but UFO. Uh, so she, uh, I bet everybody stayed quiet after uh, that announcement, right? Yeah. So she proceeded <laughs> to talk about it, that her and her sister who deceased, who, who died when she was a kid, uh, were out in the plains of Kentucky before they had ever seen a motorized vehicle because uh, they were out in the sticks. Mm -hmm. They saw this cigar-shaped aluminum-colored craft flying through the air. No wings, no sense of propulsion, just cruising along. And she said it, it looked like a cigar-shaped thing about 30 feet off the ground, had a bubble on top, and they could even see the guy inside. It was so close. And it flew right in front of them, and they just looked at it, were like, trying to process what what are we looking at mm -hmm. and it reached these bluffs where there was some cliffs and it went right over them and then she said it just shot up in the sky and disappeared in the blink of an eye and made a strange zing type sound she even made the sound effect for it and then she said that she and her sister were like talking all about it like what in the world was that they went home and they told their their mother Right. Who was very, very uh, talking Bible Belt. Um, right. So 
I mean, the home she was raised in, she brought home a deck of cards once to play a game of cards with her sister, and her mother saw those cards and grabbed them and threw them in the oven and burnt them. Okay. And told them never to ever bring a deck of cards into the house again. Those are from the devil. Uh, okay. So pretty strict. Very, very strict, very on fire for God home that she was raised in. And they told her what they saw. She told them to never tell another word to anybody ever again about that story. Period. And so they like were thinking, well, that's a strange response, but okay. So they did what they were told, and then her sister died in her teens. So she held on to this. Yeah, because this was what? the only other witness to that event. The right? only other person she could share that with and talk about it with. Mm -hmm. uh, so now here she is in her late 70s reading this article in the newspaper. And whenever the TV was on in that house, they watched the gospel you know, televangelists. They listened to the gospel music. They went to church. Everything in their life revolved around god and the church and christianity so they weren't exposed to like pop culture things you know comic okay. books you know so i guess reading this newspaper was the first sign of like oh this looks very familiar exactly. and uh so it just like a light bulb turned on and like she had an epiphany and so she felt compelled to tell us all this and then at the conclusion of all that she said i don't care what people think those things are real Right. So at five years old, I heard her and she was the most trustworthy person that I knew uh, make this declaration. So I just assumed from watching Star Trek, you know, we were Trekkies mm -hmm. in our family. There's a reality there. And, sure. you know, I'm only at five years old and I'm just like connecting these dots like it makes sense. You know, cosmos is way too vast to be just a bunch of rocks out there rocks and gas and no life mm -hmm. and besides the bible even tells us that there's angels uh which are intelligent beings that are not from earth and it also uses other words like creatures and hosts and stars of heaven and different words like that that refer to intelligent life that are not native to earth so I, I wasn't putting all of this together and connecting all of these dots. I just simply accepted it. And my grandmother never bothered to reconcile her faith with right, this it was, understanding. Yeah, it her was eyes wouldn't lie to her, though. That's the thing. Right. Um, but I, I could tell you that uh, later in life, um, so I didn't have an epiphany with God myself until I was like 21. Um, but when I turned 21 and I had this god encounter and became a christian it, jesus came to me in a vision when i was asleep okay so i i'd been to church before and heard all altar calls and all those things and i would have said that i was a christian but i was just very open to lots of things didn't didn't connect it with i, I mean i believed in evolution and, and just all kinds of stuff right okay. until i had this encounter and after this encounter i woke up just believing like okay, Jesus is real. He's alive. He actually visits people personally. Okay. Um, so this is a reality I have to contend with, but there's this other reality over here that I also know is real. And I know that these two realities, um, by the time I was 21, were conflicting. Uh, 
Christians typically took everything new agey, paranormal, whatever, and just mm -hmm. lumped it with together and stamped it demonic and threw right. it out the window. And I'm not ready to do that. Uh, okay. I'm too much of a critical thinker. I had some science under my belt at that time. Uh, I have five degrees. I have two master degrees. So with all of this thinking and my background and these two different worldviews that tended to clash a lot, I felt compelled to reconcile these out and really dig into the Bible, but also look at it from a scientific side and, and make sense out of these things. And it sort of set me on this path early on. So that's sort of the academic side of it. But then my life is a paranormal compendium, you know, of all these experiences that I've had. Um, and I think anybody, I'm sure that you, you've had plenty of encounters yourself because oh, sure. that's what happens. You're, you're open to it. You know that it's real. You know there's more than meets the eye to this reality. Simply knowing that and accepting it and believing it, mm -hmm. you don't just dismiss things. Of course. You hear it's, 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 one thing doesn't exclude the other. You can believe in the scientific method or mm -hmm. in, you know, measuring things. I, I get that. But some people think, like you said, it's either one or the other. Yeah. You know, it's Black either woo or science. And it's like, okay, you know, they can, they can overlap, you know, like the Venn diagram. There's mm -hmm. a common meeting area between you exactly know, between both, mm -hmm. or Jahari window. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's funny because a lot of people think in black and white terms, mm -hmm. when in fact reality is like ninety percent gray. Sure. Uh, so you know, or they have Occam's razor that they use to explain. You know, but if Occam ever encountered something he'd never seen before and he had no frame of reference to describe exactly. it, exactly then Occam is lost and yeah. he's prone to simply dismiss something altogether. Right. Uh, it's even, I don't get it. So it doesn't, you know, I was like, right. it doesn't exist. Right. Yeah. Which doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's just, you know, yeah. I, I even read in the psychology book that when the native Americans first encountered Spaniards riding on horses, uh, or they saw that ships were first coming out from sea mm -hmm. that a lot of them were able to just like look at it and just filter it out. It would almost right. be like looking at a flat ocean with nothing right. on it because they didn't know what it was. And they, the brain will just literally filter things out. It will. It will. And it when will. they saw Spaniards riding on horses, they thought it was one creature oh. uh, until they dismounted. And then it's it just their world was turned upside down. Sure. So this is what people encounter uh, when they're faced with something that they don't understand uh, they don't know how to explain it. So a lot of the times the brain just shuts it off, you know, but I've never been that way. Uh, that switch is gone in me. So All right. I think that age, uh, most know. of us, hopefully, even if at the first flush, you kind of back away and go, oh, you know, especially if it's something really startling and that kind of tilts your world view mm -hmm. to the side. Hopefully you, you know, most people, you kind of like rethink it. And you go, wait a minute. And that's happened to me where you witness something that you're at, you're like, man, wait a minute. This doesn't make sense. And it's kind of scary. Because uh -huh. We always want everything to make sense in our world. <laughs> Whatever yeah. our world is, you know, your perception is your reality. And then that's when you go through that mental checklist that you're talking about. Like, it's not this, it's not this, it's not this. So what's left? Yeah. You know, exactly. even if you don't know how to identify it per se at that moment, 
Hopefully mm-hmm. that's what most people do. But I know what you're talking about, that there's people that it's like, you know, forget it. I, that doesn't exist. I, I can't handle that in my world. Yeah. And, and I see the, the place I find myself frequently is being in a, you know, sort of standing on the outside of the end group because mm-hmm. with Christians, they tend to dismiss um, a lot of the things that a scientist will get, sure. you know, and, but the scientist will dismiss a lot of the things that the spirit side gets. So you try to put, I, I try to put those together, you know, like, look, they can both be true. It doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. So uh, I just wanted to point this one out right here. This sure. is called the Paranormal Christian. Okay. Uh, this is a freebie on my website that uh, anybody that emails me, mm-hmm. I'll send them the PDF for this book. What is your free. email address? So for my podcast listeners. Uh, jmyler at yahoo.com. Okay. That's J-M-I-L-O-R. Okay. I'll put uh, it in the I, credits of the show, but I want my podcast listeners to okay. have it. Okay. But I have a website, Myler. Com. Okay. All right. Uh, that's one of them. I also have other websites, aliensinthebible.com. That might be easier to remember. Okay. Um, so one of my first books that I wrote, um, I wasn't planning on it, uh, but I went on uh, a business trip in the military. And when I was sitting in my hotel room, um, ruminating on all of these things and I I started compiling these notes and so I decided well I'm going to go on a TDY maybe I should just kind of put these notes together and and, you know just to try to sort it and organize it and make sense out of it Um, and in 17 hours non-stop uh, over a weekend I wrote half of this whoa it just came out and um so I, I decided, you know what? This isn't an article. This is a book. A book. <laughs> yeah. So I put like another two weeks into it, and then I finished this. So this is uh, Aliens in the Bible, and it's one of the first ones I came out with. Okay. And I, I mentioned this one, which was published back in 2000, no, maybe 1999. It, it was a while back. Time flies when you're um, having fun, huh? Nobody was writing about Nephilim back then. Yes, um, you're right. So I, I was one of the pioneers, I say, in Christian ufology because it didn't really exist. Um, there were some people here and there that touched on it but didn't specialize in it. Um, and I, re- I pulled out all of their stuff and included it in here. But this was my first book, and this book actually covers uh, – wide gambit of things this is i talk about ghosts i talk about um so that the subtitle kind of explains it it's a biblical perspective of supernatural entities realms of existence and phenomenon so it's divided into three sections and i kind of explain um when in the phenomenon part i cover ghosts and thought forms and and all this stuff. Um, so, like I said, my uh, great grandmother kind of got me interested in. in you know what? You're absolutely correct, John. Because I remember, because when you're a little bit older, you remember clearly these things. Mm-hmm. Back in right be, before, I, I, you know that Y2K moment that everybody thought things were gonna. I remember, like you said, UFOs. Usually, you would hear it was like Roswell. You know the typical UFO. Mm-hmm. Um, 
things. That was the, that was the extent of it. Uh, those were the things that were publicized or talked about as far as UFOs. But that was it. There was no it was Christian angle to it whatsoever. It was like <laughs> those two things the were... closest. Yeah, the closest they had was Chariots of the God with, uh, right. God with Eric Von Donneken. Mm-hmm. But he's not really a Christian. Uh, he kind of t- went this other way with it and said, basically, Christians are mistaken. They encountered extraterrestrials, and they mistook them for being God. Um, okay. I haven't been able to actually interview him, but if uh, I suspect if you asked him, did the God of the Bible create the universe and all life within it, he would probably say, no, I don't think so. Um, because I don't know if he believes that God in, as defined in the Bible. So that's where I would define myself, distinguish myself from an ancient astronaut theorist, because I am a Christian. I believe in the creation story in the Bible, but it is more complicated than most Christians. Sure. You know, I, I do believe the old Earth theory, for example. I think this planet probably is five billion years old. Right. But I don't believe in evolution. And a lot of people have a hard time figuring that out, including myself. When I mm-hmm. wrote this, I didn't know that yet. But I kept right. researching even after I wrote it. And then I came out with this. With this one, Aliens and the Antichrist, that was the sequel where, you know, I I kept doing interviews with people and and finding out more and more things. Um, One of the best ways to halt an alien abduction, for example, is to call in the name of Jesus. And they usually get out of there. You know what? And let's stop right there because I've discussed this other times because everybody thinks as – because. What you're telling me is that, in essence, an alien, let's use the word alien as in what most people think of as an extraterrestrial, is subject to basically, how can I, what what am I thinking, be stopped with using the name of Jesus. Most people would think, what does that have to do with it? You know, if it's an extraterrestrial, why would they react? Why? Yes. And, yeah. God is the God of creation. He created them. He created us. He created everything. Why wouldn't it work? Let me ask, do you think, because I've heard this theory also, that there is an overlap between demons and extraterrestrials? Um, I talk all about that in this book. And actually my latest one, which is the second edition of Aliens and the Antichrist, is this mm-hmm. one, Christian UFOlogy. Okay. Uh, and this is on ChristianUFology.com, or no, .net, ChristianUFology.net. Um, so the Bible explains the origin of demons um, indirectly. Uh, in the past, dating back to Genesis 6, beings from other worlds came here. We call them angels. That's the Bible's word for it. Uh, mm-hmm. Watchers is another word. There are sp- certain species of angel that are humanoid they mated with humans they had children their children they also crossed with animals too so it's a weird convoluted story how they crossed did they genetic experiment with it did they actually 
shapeshift into an animal and then mate with animals. Who knows the backstory to it? But we do know right. that there were these half-breed, part animal, part angel creatures and half-breed human angels. They generally have supernatural power. So this activity in Genesis chapter 6 is the spawn of all of these different mythologies of creatures that have powers. Uh, you see it in all the mythologies. Um, Baal uh, is mm -hmm. the, uh, what do you call it, the minotaur, bull-headed right. man-body creature. Yes, exactly. And there probably really was a minotaur uh, creature's and they probably had power, like supernatural power. Some of these creatures are even able to like disappear or maybe teleport. They might be transdimensional in nature. Mm -hmm. Bigfoot might be one of these creatures. Right, right. Yes. So he can I... like disappear right in front of you. And hence, yes. he's very stealthful, right. but can also become very physical and then like disappear again. So that's one of the theories about Bigfoot. Um, but it's also why people have experiences that, that have had experiences with demons, describe them as creatures like with horns and all of that. These creatures once existed and then they died physically. Okay. The angels that spawned them are immortal, but their children were half-breeds. So they were immor uh, like mortal, but they lived like 500 years old, okay. according to the book of Enoch. So... They died, and their spirits became what we now know as demons. Okay. So demons are usually non-corporeal. They're, they're the ghosts of Nephilim. Okay. All right. So that's where they come from. But God's creation isn't, I don't believe it's just earth. I believe the heaven is the heavens. The actual word in the Bible that is used most for heaven is a plural word. Right. And it refers to the second heaven. In Hebrew, it's Shamayim. And it refers to the heavens. So if you think of both this planet and all of the planets in our cosmos as a multidimensional construct, you go to a lower dimension. You still have a universe. You still have planets. It's just at a different frequency or whatever. And it's like mm -hmm. integrated, overlapped. Okay. Even Earth is multidimensional, even as described by the Bible. The dimension of hell, there are multiple dimensions of hell, and they're like within the Earth. It's like layers of lithospheres, okay. layers of existence, and they kind of bleed over into each other sometimes. Okay. So you, what you see as a ghost could be many, many different things. It could be people actually from another dimension that are just living normal lives. We don't know. Right. Uh, it could also be a disincar disincarnate spirit okay. uh, it could also be a demon making itself look like something there's just a lot of different things it could be i do um, think that there's time slips where people sometimes oh yeah. either they you know one comes to the other either we go there or vice versa or when mm -hmm. we see things that retro recognition mm -hmm. where you can walk into a room and you're looking in the 1940s yes of course yes uh, i've read about that uh just like star trek is so famous for for showing the, the physical universe is a mystery in itself. And what we understand in physics is just scratching the surface. Um, sure. They, the thing is, what the Bible talks about is a multidimensional reality. And our science is getting to the point of understanding it. So if you know enough science, you know, string theory, M theory, uh, the way that reality can be 
existing in multiple levels simultaneously. Uh, and they can kind of cross over each other. And then time isn't this unflexible thing that, you sure. know, a lot of people think of it, you know, you see into the past, you see into the future. Here's an interesting thing. People okay. in the Bible that have God type experiences and encounters with angels and stuff have prophecies and they tend to see into the future. Okay. But people that are dealing with curses and if you go into a place that's haunted and stuff, that's a curse. They tend to see into the past. Yes. So there's what we call haunting echoes uh, that they're not necessarily interactive. You might be witnessing a murder that happened 100 years ago or whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. They've been seeing entire armies. And then you have phantom noises. Right. How's a noise a ghost? How is a train a ghost? Right. It, it can't be. You're looking into the past, you're perceiving an energy in the past because a curse does something to the atmosphere that changes the molecular structure and certain people can perceive into the past to see those things. I think that what it is is also when you have a repetition of an event, whether it's a noise, a smell, like you said, something that's done a lot. It a imprints. Lot, a lot. It imprints mm -hmm. on the fabric of that place. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you'll get somebody who's sensitive or something, or sometimes it's even an anniversary, a certain time of day where, but it's like on cue all the time. And you know, there's no, no intelligence. It's just like a mm -hmm. replay on a loop. Right. Um, but of course, we always go by what our senses, you know, the regular mm -hmm. senses tell us. And when we witness something that doesn't add up, that's when people get spooked. Yeah. So and the things that I'm talking about here is kind of a lot of my ramblings in the book, uh, except a little more organized, because I do think from a spiritual perspective, but also scientific and analytical. I ask questions like, why do people see ghosts wearing clothing? <laughs> exactly. is, is the clothing alive? What's making yeah. the clothing appear? You know? Exactly. Uh, right, because so, you see, you hear some people see ghosts like, normal you know you you, you hear of people mm -hmm. saying oh i saw the ghost and the per the person and in some cases they even mistake it for a regular person that's how solid it is and then right. you see other people say oh i saw the ghost or the victim or whatever all like like corpsey looking or and it's like yeah it's how does that so work cut and dry so there's a lot of so i became encyclopedic about paranormal stuff because my mom saw that i just sort of had this slant to me you know, I'm okay. always asking her these questions like made her scratch her head and, you know, like the ghost clothing question. And so she, <laughs> I kept doing this, you know, and so she's like, well, I need to just get him some books. Yeah. So she went and bought an entire encyclopedia of um, Reader's Digest Encyclopedia of the Paranormal. I remember. Her, God, like, Reader's Digest. It's yeah. huge. It's like 24 volumes to this thing. And as soon as that book arrived in the mail, I... I absorbed it and memorized it. I, I don't, I wasn't trying. It just happened. Right. So by the time I was like nine, 10 years old, I had an encyclopedia in my head of okay. all this paranormal stuff. And that's kind of how I went through life. And so when I saw things or experienced things, my mind would go through this index of, oh, this could be this, this could be that, this could be that. And so the aliens in the Bible book is kind of like me just sort of pointing out, you know, picking a, a, an entity, for example, like a ghost, which is mm -hmm. the most generic term you can get. Right. There's a lot of other terms, though, thought forms, you know, that's a, a human generated entity. Yes. yes. 
that can be possessed by a demon or a human and commandeered for its energy. So all kinds of interesting things that I read in those books when I was a kid. And then I'd actually talk to different people. And then my mind's thinking like, okay, this is probably that, you know? And uh, so I just think we live in a fascinating universe with so many different things going on that I could just sit and write books about the stuff all day. Yeah. Um, I think that, that for, how can I say it? I'm not, I'm not, I don't, yeah, things should be questioned. Absolutely. Because there's a lot of things sometimes that are claimed that it's like, no, but I think that the majority of us, depending on what your threshold is, everybody's got a different threshold. We want to live our lives in the normal world, as in, this Mm -hmm. is what I know. And then once you accept any of these, whatever it is, whether it's Bigfoot, UFO, ghosts, whatever, angels, then I say that that's when the horizon on your existence gets very fuzzy. Because if that exists, what else is possible? Everything. And a, lot of, a lot of people don't want to go there. They, they don't yeah. want to go there. Well, they're afraid they're going to be insane. Uh, they're yeah. afraid it's going to take them too far. And they're yes. not going to come back. And trust me, I've been there. Uh, but... I've always had a tether to reality. I've always been Mm -hmm. able to, you know, put my stake in the ground, tether myself to it, and then journey off, but not get lost, you know? I'm not afraid to ask hard-ass questions uh, Mm -hmm. and keep asking. And then if I don't get an answer, I'm not going to just say, well, okay, it's demonic. Why? Because I don't understand it, so it's got to be demonic, you know? I Did Moses do that? I mean, I, I read the Bible, and I'm like, asking these questions in the Bible too. Moses came across this burning bush and it started talking to him. Almost anybody would have freaked out and ran. Sure. It'd be like, oh. (laughs) Moses is like, I don't know what this is, but I'm curious. So he goes in and, you know, next thing he knows, he's just having a conversation with something that's just like telling him, take off your sandals. Everything out of this burning bush is so enigmatic and mysterious and powerful how could you run away from that i just would not be able to run away from it well i would rather die trying to experience whatever was there you know and that's just me well i think also i'm gonna say let's say in the time of moses and people were more apt to believe in a how can I what's this word I'm, I'm not looking I'm not thinking of miracle but they, they, they were they, yeah. well not even superstition yeah. they were more willing to believe th- this is something supernatural and it's happening and I'm going to stay here true modern person that happens to them you know you see you hear a voice coming out of a burning bush and they'd be like they'd run they'd run they'd be mm-hmm. like I'm having a bad trip <laughs> no you know whatever they would never equate the supernatural or uh, communication from God, nothing, forget it. They, they would never the even next, go there. Yeah, and over the next week, they're going to break out <laughs> Occam's razor and come up with 15 reasons yes. to explain that Yes, it is not supernatural. So Yes, yes. And that's um, a shame. I hate to say it. In some instances, it acts against us instead of for us, That mm-hmm. having that perspective on, uh, on our existence. Yeah. So... Let me ask you when, um, because you, 
part of your your expertise is in a very analytical field. And then you go into this, which is, is that the way you, like this part, which is computers, sort of IT, like that. or how it's does like that work? like that with me and everything. Uh, okay. It probably goes back to me being a right-brained person in a left-brained world. Okay. Uh, my natural inclination, being left-handed, is art and... Um, music. I play the drums. You know, I, mm -hmm. I'm, I kind of understand the part of the mind that is like can't really be articulated very well. Okay. Um, but it's experiential and emotions and, and all of that dominant. But from a young age, I was determined to understand and try to grapple with with the right, you know, left brain world I live in. Um, and force myself by brute force to learn, you know, the mechanics of writing, learn all of this stuff. Uh, computers interested in me uh, in college. Uh, I'm interested in everything. Uh, when I went to school, I couldn't make up my mind. I changed my major like seven times. So, you know, that's why I got screenwriting and cybersecurity, two different majors, right. night and day. Uh, so yeah. I, I think it's important, uh, and I learned this young to try to keep both sides of that brain active and healthy. So because of that, I've always had one foot on one side and one foot on the other side of most issues, um, science, theology, you know, uh, conservative, liberal, uh, just everything. Now, of course I, I do veer, you know, dominant in one particular direction, but it doesn't mean that I'm ignoring the other right. side. I know right. there's a point there. I know that there's something to be gleaned from that. So on and the one is... hand, yeah, I'm willing to believe all this supernatural stuff, but at the same time, I still got my checklist, you know, sure. okay, let's go through the natural stuff, you know, let's not yeah. dismiss that maybe I did hallucinate. I have had actual full-blown hallucinations due to sleep private deprivation, so I know sure. about them. But at the same time, you know, if I can go through my checklist and I know that, you know, for example, the, the ball of light I communicated with in the jungle of Panama, I, I write about that in that book. Okay, wait, 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 stop. Sorry there. Okay. Don't, don't, don't just say that. Oh, by the way, I, you know, I had an experience with a ball of light. Or Yeah. What happened? So so that's not me being crazy because my no. checklist says, wait a minute, there was another person that was there with me. Okay. And I asked him about it the next day, and his only response was that I summoned it. Like, <laughs> to mock me. your fault? Me, to mock me. You, of all the things you can that's say, funny. you're going to mock me? Because they used to make fun of me in the army, right? I mean, I, I want to get ghost stories from people because I think they're okay. fascinating. And I would try to figure it out. Like, what right. is that thing? You know, is that a ghost? Is that, but is that maybe this or this? Um, so I got this nickname. They used to call me weirdo or some, something like that, you know. <laughs> and it was a stigma that stuck to me, right? And so this, this corporal that was my team leader just taunted me day and night, right? Uh -huh. And when we went to Panama during the Panamanian invasion in 1990, uh, we were stationed in the jungle uh, guarding the perimeter of Fort Sherman. And uh, 
I was at a guard post with Corporal, this Corporal, and uh, it's getting near midnight, you know, getting in, uh, eaten alive by insects, you know, just trying to stay awake because I hadn't slept in a couple of months. That's actually where I had my full-blown hallucination, right? Okay. Uh, so, yeah, sure, I'm wondering if I'm hallucinating, but when I wake him up and he sees it, you know, I'm not hallucinating, you know. But Plus, what I'm a happened? What happened? You were what, uh, doing guard duty? I was on guard duty. Okay. And I saw out in the jungle uh, something about the size of a, cam- uh, a, a soccer ball, pure white light, like electricity, and it was a ball of electricity but it was like as bright as a camera flash and it would flash on and then you wouldn't see anything for like 30 to 60 seconds and then it would flash on again and it was moving toward us and i saw it like a good 300 400 yards away and at first i thought it was the lightning that had been going on in in panama they had sheet lightning Uh which just kind of blankets the sky and it's not like regular lightning where you see streaks or whatever it's just like like somebody's got a big lamp up there and it's flickering on and off right okay and uh in the in the haze because there's a lot of like so humid there it was just like a lot of haze in the atmosphere Mm -hmm. so i thought at first that it was that and I, i was just filtering it out but finally it occurred to me that there was some flashing that was going on at a much lower altitude and it was brighter and uh this became apparent the closer it got and when it was about 400 feet away that's when it really got my or 400 yards away that's when it got my attention to just like i couldn't see what it was i just knew there was light coming from the jungle it was about 20 feet 30 feet up in the air uh in the tree line and it came straight to my position like like a beeline just boom (laughs) oh boy and i'm just like watching this thing like what is that and the closer it got the more mysterious it became like this this ball of light that was intermittently flashing and i'm like is it ball lightning no ball lightning stays on and it zips around erratically until it hits something and diffuses swamp gas usually it's kind of greenish and it's just like a cloudy haze that sort of moves around it's not either of those uh so this leaves me very limited options, you know, <laughs> and I'm like going through my index and I'm not finding anything in my index, you know, what, what is this? And uh, so I wake up Corporal Stinger, uh, who was sound asleep, and I said, it's your time for the shift. Mine's over. <laughs> There's some other worldly thing flashing on and off over here, but I'm going to go to sleep because I'm tired. Good night. And he's like, wait, wait a minute. And he wouldn't let me go to sleep. And he's questioning me. Then he thinks, oh, you're just screwing with me, blah, 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 right? And he started laughing. But then while he's laughing, it flashed. And I said, I wasn't kidding. That was it. And so he's like looking and like transfixed. And I said, you got to wait about 30 seconds to a minute or so because it'll flash again. And it's coming over here. So now he was like, on edge and then when it flashed again he was freaked out and uh, this thing came straight to our position and stopped and it kept flashing in the same spot and i said you know if i didn't know better i'd say that that thing's checking us out (laughs) 
<laughs> and he's like, just he's not saying anything. He's just silent. And I said, I'm going to communicate with it. And <laughs> he was like, no, the hell you are. And I was going to say, I don't think he was probably on board with that. <laughs> oh, no, he wasn't. But I was already walking out to the to the center of a clearing, you know, and he's like, get the F back here. And, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, dude, if it wanted to kill us, it could have already. Look at the energy that thing's generating. So I'm trying to talk some sense into him. And I'm like, don't you understand? We have an opportunity. This is like every Star Trek episode fan's dream, right? right. I get to introduce myself to an unknown species. And, and he's just like staring at me, you know, drool coming out of it. It's just he like must. he's not processing at this point. He's just like shut off. And uh, so I walk out there. And I introduced myself. I said, look, I mean you no harm, you know, playing James T. Kirk, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, I come in peace. Um, if you don't mind, could you please reveal yourself? Let me know who you are, what your intentions are. So, but in my mind, I already did an inventory. I had an M60 with 750 rounds okay. uh, that I was wearing at, at first. But then I thought, if this is ball lightning or any kind of lightning atmospheric phenomenon i'm screwed because that thing's going to come and zap me because it's going to be attracted to all this metal and then it might uh -huh. even blow up because of all these ammunition rounds so i take my weapon off and i also had a radio with a bunch of lithium batteries and a six foot antenna that's nothing short of a lightning rod and i'm like i might want to put this over here <laughs> Just but it, it it never went for any of those things so i'm thinking more in my mind this is intelligent Whatever this is, it's acting intelligent, and I want to communicate with it. So I went out, and I, I introduced myself, and I'm not hearing anything, and I'm like, you know, what's going to happen? Suddenly I had this feeling come over me, and I, I couldn't see it. So it would flash, and I'd see it. But while I'm not seeing it, suddenly I felt it moving. Okay. And that's the weird part. I don't know how I – it relayed to me where it was at it relayed to me that it was moving and I could feel its presence coming straight at me. Oh. And it was powerful, overwhelming. So it, it, take that feeling of being watched. Okay. You know, that, that, that feeling if you're in a kind of a creepy place because mm -hmm. you feel like you're being watched, amplify yes. it by a thousand and something's coming at you. I could feel it. And I kind of backed up a little bit, but I held my ground and I'm like, Oh, please don't kill me. <laughs> I right. felt it fly right over my head. And I'm telling Corporal Stinger, I'm like, I feel it moving. And I don't know how I feel it moving, but I feel it moving. And I had uh, AMPVS 7 night vision goggles on. And I put okay. them up. And I'm looking, right? I'm not seeing it even with night vision goggles, right? And I told them, the next time this thing flashes, it's going to flash right about. I did a complete 180 with these goggles and I'm facing behind me and I point up in the tree and I say right there. And when I say the word there and point, it flashed right where I pointed. Oh. And I have no idea how it put that information in me. So it didn't talk to me. It didn't use English any known right. communication that I know of, but it mm -hmm. relayed to me where it was. It relayed to me that I believe it was a sentient entity. It was alive. It was curious about us and it was letting us know, I acknowledge you. 
and here I am. Okay. And it never like morphed or changed shape or turned into anything else. Okay. Uh, instead, it did a complete circle around our perimeter like a probe, like it's analyzing mm-hmm. every side. Okay. And I'm just watching it, and it did a complete circle around our perimeter. And I'm still expecting it to maybe do something, but it never did. Instead, it went down this trail, and it went to the other two positions that were posted out there. And it did a circle around those two positions, and then it went back off into the jungle. Almost like some curious thing that just showed up, kind of like, what are you up to? What are you doing here? All right, I'm going to go over here. What are you doing? And then, then off it went. So, do you think it could have been something biomechanical that was sent out to, like you said, scout or reconnoiter or something, or was could it? Have been. Okay, it was a war we were in, uh, and wars tend to attract things like this. Okay, right. Yes, I've heard of that. Uh, so I, I was also an avid Dungeons and Dragons fan. I became a. Mm-hmm a dungeon master and I, I memorized some of the books and um, uh, it had the appearance and behavior of a will of the wisp. Okay. So uh, I, I mean, I read that and they actually have one of those in the, that cartoon brave where mm-hmm. you had that little light that's flashing yes. and the girl follows yes. it. And according to lore, those try to provoke your curiosity to get you to follow them. And then right, you, and get follow lost them, in you the fall woods, in yeah. a snake pit or something bad. Right. Like that, you know, and I wasn't going anywhere. I was on, on my post. I was definitely curious. Uh, I do think it was powerful enough to kill me, but. Um, so what about that poor corporal? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this guy was just like white as a ghost, you know, and I'm like, just on and on telling them you know what we just saw that doesn't exist in any biology textbook anywhere but you might see it on an episode of star trek and (laughs) he was just like he just wasn't talking he was shut down so um, no wonder he blamed you for that afterwards so the next day i i brought it up again i said you know what happened last night wasn't a dream right nod your head you know and then he's like oh shut the f up He's like, you know, you summoned that. (laughs) And I'm like, I summoned it. And then he started joking, you know. So um, I asked the guys at the other two positions and they told me, you know, yeah, we saw something kind of weird. Don't know what that was. But nobody really wanted to talk about it, you know. And I'm like, aren't you curious? I mean, that that doesn't exist. Reality has not identified this. No one has seen this. It's not in any book anywhere. So that's where I got this whole idea of transdimensional species, you know. Um, okay. And this was before I had my God encounter. I was 20 years old or 19 years old when that happened. Okay. So when I got out of the army after three years, and um, that's when I had, uh, it was kind of a dark time in my life, you know. And I was probably as far away from God as I ever was. And right when I turned 21, is kind of like God came in and kind of gave me a warning, said, you reach the age of accountability. You can't keep doing what you're doing and get away with it anymore. I'm not going to protect you anymore like I have been. Uh, Your umbrella of protection is going to recede unless you change some of your behavior. So the gist of my dream that I had, which I wrote in another book, um, 
of of that vision with God is where he was like showing me these things in in a dream and he was invisible I couldn't see him okay uh then when I woke up I asked who was that you know I'm rehearsing the dream in my mind Mm -hmm. uh and I actually audibly heard Jesus say his name in my ear like his his mouth is right up against my ear and he said Jesus (laughs) and these chills shot down my body I was not expecting a response when I asked mm-hmm. the question and I'm, I was just pondering like who was that invisible person in my dream Jesus right. you know and it floored me mm-hmm. uh, and that's when I changed and uh, then I returned to that memory of you know you know I've always had this this supernatural thing about me you know where a friend of mine told me hang around John long enough you'll see a ghost hang around him long enough, something weird is going to happen and you're not going to have an explanation for it, you know? And that was just the rule of thumb with me. Um, okay. But after my God encounter, then I started looking at things through a, a biblical lens. Um, okay. Day one after that encounter, I was like, what does a Christian do? I, I don't even know. What does a Christian do? Maybe read the Bible. So I picked up a Bible. I started reading Genesis chapter one. You know, I'm like, pausing every five seconds or like just to think about it you know but when i got to genesis six just six chapters into the bible like page two i'm seeing something that's like wait a minute i know what this is and i've never heard any christian say anything even remotely close to what's swimming in my head so that's where all of this writing and stuff came from my mind just like exploded all those years of paranormal research and stuff started connecting all at once my brain if i was under a brain scan probably would have just been on fire Uh, right and i proceeded to read the bible from cover to cover you know just absorbing Mm -hmm. you know and uh i couldn't help but write down all these notes like i think i know what this is and the bible's the most paranormal book i know and I never, and, you know, and a lot of people want to paint it as the total opposite. Like, no. Yeah. No, no. Well, their lens is. Right. They put a fairy book, a fairy tale lens on it. It's like sci-fi versus fantasy. Yes. Yes. It's both. You don't have to take this metaphor and just package it up and set it aside over here apart from reality. Your reality right. is integrated it's it's all together you know when when you actually walk outside at night and you look up at the sky you're looking at heaven the literal heaven you know and i kind of always subconsciously knew these things but after my vision my encounter with jesus it just really came to life you know just exploded in me and i've been on that journey ever since and almost like dragged into it because I, I really, I, I don't really have much of a choice. You know, I see things the way I see them. Sure. And, <laughs> and you know what, that's, that's really one of the things, you know, that saying very to thine own self be true, mm-hmm. you know, you know, the, you are the way you are. And like you said, there's a lot of gray in life because people, if you're too rigid, forget it. You're going to be a very unhappy person. Mm-hmm. whether it's how you do it or what you believe or how you think if you're too rigid forget it you're 
you're bound to be a pain in the neck to those around you. Oh, of course. Of course you do. Of course you do. Um, As a matter of fact, you know, it was really interesting when you say the dichotomy. The other day, I had missed this because this came out at the end of last year. You remember that movie, The Exorcist, that came out in the 70s that supposedly was based on an exorcism that they did back in the 40s, the Jesuits, right? Mm -hmm. Turns out, I was like, when I read this, I was like, this is incredible. Turns out by the time that William Peter Blatty, you know, uh, wrote the novel, because he based it on an article that came out in 1949 about this John Doe, because of course he was a teenager and they wouldn't say, you know, give his name, and that the Jesuits, so that's that's what inspired him to write the book and then the film. When all this is going on, would you believe that that boy grew up and, and worked for NASA as an engineer for 40 years? That makes sense. I was yeah, like, no. holy God, is you know what you think? Well, you know what? This poor kid, whether it was true or not, I mean, God, talk about something messing with your head. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I saw the movie, <laughs> but I also saw a documentary and I read up on right. it. You know, the grand finale. So uh, Hollywood has a tendency to just really spice things up. Yes, right? it you does. Know? Of course. So I, I'm sure it was scary as all get out for the priests and the other people that were there to see this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. and demons can make your body do things that are not physically possible, like right. squish your head through holes that are like, how? Like, right. I think that it can even adjust your molecular structure to some extent. Sure. To force your head to s- squish through a hole that's too small to, right. to do that, it, it's extremely powerful it, The what a demon can do to the body when it integrates into it fully. But I read that story and I, I did some research on it and the great grand finale was the kid busting free of his restraints and ripping a spring out of the bed mm-hmm. And slashing the, the priest with it and hurting him. He didn't kill anybody. He hurt the priest pretty bad, but he still got the demon cast out. You know? It, well, and, you know what? The if, real if, story if, is somewhat anticlimactic, you know? So the Hollywood's like, well, we can't do anything with that. We got to, you know, really spice it up, you know? Well, the, the thing is this when you look at it, there were four priests involved. There was a main one, you know, mm-hmm. which is the one that the. But in reality, it was four, and they, they did this for like a few months, a couple of months. Yeah. And um, they were, you know, one of them actually wrote a diary, which, by the way, was really weird because I'll tell you in a minute, they sealed it off, and it was. But anyway, uh-huh. one of them, um, I think it was Halloran, he says, no, was it Halloran? One of them says something like, yeah, the kid hit me, but it was not with superhuman strength. It was like, and that, yeah, he would go into these fits of like, uh, like if they were ever trying to do a prayer over him, he would start the convulsions, but never, uh, no vomiting, no, not, you know, none of the, the stuff that they did in Hollywood. Yeah. All right. And, um, you know, things of this nature and that, uh, they sometimes had to restrain him. And, you know, in other words, he would go through periods where he was a, a 14 year old mm-hmm. and then he would go through periods where, especially when they were having to do any uh recital of prayers where he would like wig out but never not of course to what you see in the movie like you said of course they went to the nth degree but then of course and it's really funny because at the time that this um movie was released he was already working as an engineer at nasa and they were one of the um the person that we, he died in his 80s in 2020 he passed away in 2020 mm-hmm. he said um the person said, it was a woman, said uh, that he lived his entire life worried that he would be exposed 
that he was the so-called haunted boy of mm-hmm. that of the story oh, you know the news article yeah the, he, he, there would be a stigma about it yeah well imagine can you imagine you're an engineer at nasa and it comes out mm-hmm. that you were the kid that but see when this article was written back in 1949 okay back then it was, it was scary but of course they you know no they didn't give out his name what propelled mm-hmm. it into notoriety was when the movie came you know when the book and the movie came out mm-hmm. and of course remember he the whole thing that scared was it was based on a true story yeah yeah so he yeah. spent the most of the they were saying that even though he obviously he worked 40 years for nasa and he mm-hmm. patented some type of um what you might call it technology to protect the shuttles from the heat this this kid was or he grew up to a man that was no dummy by yeah. long far from it but he spent his whole life in technically in a way being overshadowed or haunted by what happened Mm-hmm. Not so much the demonic part, but the like you said, the stigma. I get it. I, I mean, I, I was. Uh, I'm retired now. I just retired in December, but uh, I was chief. Of Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this kind of followed me, and I know that there was like, you know, hushed talking, and you know, oh, he's mm-hmm. eccentric. You know, that's the word they use for totally <laughs> yeah. insane. But yeah, <laughs> kind of smart maybe, and somewhat successful so we can't call him crazy you know he, he's yeah functional. he's functional insane he's just so. eccentric peculiar at times yeah but hey you've seen enough stuff like that you know uh okay anybody be insane by that definition they seen what i've seen uh i've performed an exorcism before so i i've oh. seen some of the stuff what that happened what that. can you talk about that uh somewhat um, I mean, I don't want you to disclose names, obviously. You know, I understand about... Believe it or not, I performed it over the phone. Okay, at a distance, okay. The person that I was talking to suddenly... Uh, I noticed whenever I talked about God stuff, the persons would get agitated and upset and, like, not in a normal way. And the <clears throat> voice would deepen. Ooh. And at one point, I just kept talking, and then I said something that was a trigger for this thing. Uh, okay. This person actually got physically healed in a very dramatic way. Okay. Like scars disappeared. Okay. And that was when I was talking to the person. Uh, the person was attacked by someone and put in a hospital, came out of the hospital and was recovering and called me and was talking about this horrible experience. And then I said at one point, uh, do you still believe in God after all of this stuff has happened to you? And then the person said, yes. And I said, you know what? I think God is going to totally bless you, and, and you're just going to experience a healing over that. I wasn't expecting the person to get healed. Right. And, uh, but I, the person's talking to me on the phone, and they walked into the restroom and looked in the mirror and screamed okay. because all the cuts and stitches and everything were gone. Okay. <laughs> and and you person, were like, okay. Picked up the phone and is telling me about this, and uh, I'm, like, processing it, wondering, okay, is this person out to lunch, or what, what's going on here? Okay. And I said, you know what, uh, that that's awesome. And then the person started telling me, you know what, I wonder if this is what happened to me when I was a kid. And uh, I said, well, what happened? And um, apparently when this person was a little kid, a toddler, Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a couple of things that happened that baffled everyone. Uh, Fell down this huge flight of stairs and 
everybody thought the person was dead, mm-hmm. got up like nothing, right? Okay. Uh, on, on another occasion, um, when this person was taken to a priest to get baptized, red light shot out of the person's eyes. As a and child. Yes, as a child. And the priest was kind of freaked out, but I bet. Didn't, know, <laughs> I like, oh, didn't know what to say. Like that happened when he sprinkled holy water on the on Right, on the on the part of the baptism where the where, Right. Yeah, okay. And then light shot out of the eyes, red light. And uh and when this person told me that, uh a person said uh the uncle practiced uh sorcery and was a Satanist and uh, so there was some of this going on in the family, and when the person you know what isn't it oxymoronic? I'm going to interrupt you here. Mm-hmm. You've got a practicing Satanist, but he baptized the baby in any Catholic or anything. Uh-huh. You know, I hope he wasn't the Godfather. Anyway, <laughs> keep going with your story. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, so this person had always had these things happen in, in the past: uh, supernatural abilities, seeing spirits, things like that, and. Uh, which I was always just thought was fascinating, but then mm-hmm. there was this sort of demonic side of question mark, like right. light, red light isn't supposed to shoot out of your eyes when you get it baptized, you know? Never, as a and, matter of fact, really, I think about it. Really, really. <laughs> and uh, so I'm pondering this, and the person said that they had abilities and like impervious to getting hurt in some cases and wondered okay. if this was like a supernatural ability from something of the dark side. And that's when I said, you know what, if it is, then I think that we fooled the devil into healing you. Praise God. And when I said that, that was the trigger. That pissed something off so bad that this person's voice dropped like three octaves and started talking to me like, damn you to hell, and started cursing me out, right? And it it wasn't this person anymore. Uh, The nice person that was just talking Mm -hmm. to me was gone and this thing was cussing me out okay and cursing me and and like just weird so i said in the name of jesus i cast you out and i heard a scream phone drop a few minutes later the person picked up the phone had amnesia didn't know who i was uh (laughs) this was like a three-month period of on and off amnesia that was bizarre okay uh and the person worked out through these things but um it's kind of where i got some of my theories about psychology and and maybe what getting possessed by a a spirit whether it be a demon or a deceased human Mm -hmm. what effect must that have on the human brain because even after the spirit is cast out the brain has still got like some segmentation in it and mm-hmm. that's probably where you get multiple personality disorder. It could yeah. come from that. It's a theory. I'm not going to go and say that just because somebody has some of these psychological issues that they were possessed. But no. the way the Bible describes uh, possession is very much clinical in a way. It's something that happens. It's a sickness that happens, just like any sickness. Jesus casted out demons, and mm-hmm. he also did that hand-in-hand with healing. They were one in the same in, his, in, in that day. Uh, and the thing is, multiple personality disorder does not is not is not something like a disease of the brain that just happens. Like most everybody that displays that uh, had severe trauma, usually in mm-hmm. childhood, you know, exactly. physical, sexual, uh, mental, you name it, slash 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 
systemic over usually a length of period of time and then of course these personalities that they develop supposedly this is this is how they cope you know in other words stay sane and that's why they say you know some of the guard some become like the guardian they have these different traits and right. but then you you hear other versions where um where is it are, are these personalities are they are we really talking the same person or are we talking an Something. attachment and people don't realize that you can get an attachment from a non-human whether it's demonic or extraterrestrial but you yeah. can also get an attachment from a discarnate human spirit i think so so that's where i diverge from a lot of christians because a lot of christians are like no there's heaven and there's hell and i'm like no okay explain to me what heaven and hell are that's why i have a whole section of that book describing realms of existence and how they overlap and they're not just as clear cut and cut and dry black and white as a lot of people think they are hell is like right in our midst sometimes a lot of people believe that the entryway for a lot of and i'm not going to use the word possession because that's like a really loaded word Right. Use the word attachment a lot or influence stigma. or whatever. Yeah, a lot of it. A lot of people think that the entry point, one of them, is through trauma, physical mm-hmm. trauma, like what you said when he took that fall down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that that will leave an opening, and you would think, well, how can that happen? Okay, but I mean, I'm not going to get into it now as far as how that happens. Yeah. But sometimes the trauma doesn't have to be like a you know abuse scenario. But yes, it, yeah. Sometimes that will happen, especially if the person goes unconscious. That yeah, can happen. That's the thing about the Bible is it just sort of breezes over this stuff mm-hmm. and doesn't explain. I I am yet to find the, the passage of scripture that tells you exactly how a demon possesses a human. Other than right. if you live a sinful lifestyle to such an extent that you're just like over the top, it opens doors. But how? Right. You know, right. It, it, it demons, like you ask people, how is a demon even here? How is it able to get, it, aren't they trapped in hell? Apparently not. Not all right. of them anyway, you know. And it, the thing is, you, you, they'll say, no, you can't be possessed by a human. I'm like, okay, riddle me this, Batman. If a demon can come around and possess people, why would a human who is less evil than a demon have more restrictions than a demon? Does that make any sense? And however the demons are doing it, human spirits can probably do it too. And I think that the the whole phenomenon of um, reincarnation, people Mm -hmm. having memories of other lives and stuff, it's probably possession. Sure. Well, I mean – if if and I'll give you a for instance. Let, well, let's let's use the um, the alcoholic scenario. You know how they say sometimes. You know, alcoholics. They let's say they try to go sober and they can't and they really want to. And we're talking an addiction. And nobody's saying this is an easy thing to do. Right. And then there's some of them that no matter how much they try, this like they can't. One of the theories is that basically they have an attachment of a deceased alcoholic because you know that like attracts like kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Universal law. That basically what they have is an attachment of a once human alcoholic, but he doesn't have a human body to experience the the drink. So they say a lot of times, you know, when the people, they have these blackouts or these loose touch with reality is basically when that attachment slips in and experiences the the alcohol moment, I guess. I don't know what t- what's mm-hmm. the tipping point. Yeah. Um, and of course, that attachment is also what makes it difficult or impossible sometimes for that person to yeah. stay sober, go sober, stay sober, whatever. This is a theory. And yeah. That, and it, but, and the, another theory, here's in, in the same vein, 
uh, mm -hmm. did studies on thought forms and energy. Yes, the, Tulpa. The phenomenon known as um, uh, psychometry. You can yes. touch an object and, you know, and, and say, okay, the killer was wearing this, you know, uh, mm -hmm. the person got their throat slashed, you know, and they tell the right. police these things. How do they know that? How did that information get into this object? Okay. Uh, so it could be that our atmosphere and objects and atoms have information just thrown into them when right. something traumatic happens it's just like sure. a person will explode with all of this energy and it impregnates into the atmosphere so this is what creates haunting activity but it can also uh, infuse into objects that a person has a connection with uh, then you get people that are like sensitive that tap into that energy and they're like reading it like a book Mm -hmm. And this is another explanation of what ghosts could be and stuff. Uh, let's say you, you're walking along and you're one of these sensitive people. You don't even know it. And you pick up something and suddenly you see a ghost. Maybe what you're seeing is a recording that's being played through your visual cortex in your brain because your body picked up on this recording and you're mm -hmm. playing a recording in this object. Right. And that's how they get this, this whole psychometry thing. That's where it comes from. But maybe it even applies to like atmospheric conditions, you sure. know. And the same thing could happen where a person, if, if that energy has that kind of power, maybe even not the spirit, but the energy itself can attach to a person. So it's not necessarily a sentient person. It's not mm -hmm. necessarily even right. a demon or a ghost. It's energy. And somebody went to a bad place and they got it stuck all over them or they picked up an object and yes. they hung on to it or they're wearing somebody's shirt or something yeah. like that. And these things start happening and they're not putting two and two together that, and it, it could be an endless variety of combinations, but a yeah. person that's stuck in an addiction could do something like every time I wear this shirt, I have this overwhelming urge to go smoke a cigarette and I don't know yes. why, but would they ever put those two things together? No, but that reality is there. I, I see sure. that reality around us and that we're affected by energy everywhere. And Absolutely. it's all kinds of energy, you know, not, not just traumatic things, but you know, it could mm -hmm. be, it could be good things too. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing to, to contemplate because a lot of the things that we see, and we can explain one way with psychology or whatever. There's other ways to explain it too. And on the flip side, there's other ways to treat that are just as effective. So you have, say, like this shaman in an Indian village who says, if you do X, Y, Z, guess what? It might actually work because he's seen these things and he's kind of put two and two together on some of these odd things. But we over here in Western society would look at that and go, that's superstition. Totally throw it all out the window, but maybe there's a grain of truth there. Right. Uh, not to endorse shamanism. You right, know, right. But... And, you know, and a lot of it, all I think, also has to do with the belief system. Belief mm -hmm. in a person, the power of the mind, it's very powerful. In other words, um, if that person believes, let's say, in that system, whatever it is, mm -hmm. and that this person has the ability to heal or cure especially if the disease or the illness is psychosomatic mm -hmm. the same way they exactly mm -hmm. if they believe that the person that curing them or doing whatever they are ritual ceremony or whatever it, that's sometimes i'm not going to say all the time because there's there's another part where there is actual cures right um yeah. 
but at the same time that where they're cured, but it's mm -hmm. basically because it wasn't real to begin with, even though they displayed all the symptoms, but the mind is very powerful as far as how it affects our bodies. Our yeah. body will react. Um, yeah, and the cool thing is, you know, I kind of like looking at both of those things. I'll look at the sure. Bible and I see faith, and I understand faith through a certain context from a spiritual context. But, but there's another way to understand that. You yes. could look over here on the scientific realm and, and understand that there's been experiments, thought experiments, that there's been experiments on how consciousness is integrated into our reality. Mm -hmm how Tibetan monks can focus on water and actually crystallize components of it and affect the water, the molecular structure right. of water. So if your consciousness is also, you can't, you can't uh, determine the speed and position of an electron, um, quantum entanglement, things like that. Right. Right. Uh, there have been, experiments with your consciousness and how your consciousness and your perception is integrated with reality we don't quite fully understand it yet but our reality is integrated with the way we think and how we Absolutely. perceive it and mostly we think that we're just recipients of our reality oh, you no. know things happen around us and and we we just have to respond to what's happening to us but faith is the bible telling us you actually have the ability to reverse that. You have the ability, not even physically, but spiritually with your thinking, your perception, you can alter what's going on around you to a certain extent. I know there's limitations to it, but I mean, according to Jesus, there's there are far fewer limitations to faith than we think. Sure. And <laughs> the question is, how do you understand that? How do you really grasp that and then, and then harness it the way that he did? Um, well, I think also sometimes people are very hung up on being able to quantify something. In other words, if I can't measure it, if I can't prove it, film it, uh, record it, uh, reproduce it, model it, then it can't exist. Or, or like you said, either if from a religious religious point of view, maybe you're going into the dark zone. You know, like oh, I shouldn't go there. Mm -hmm. Or if you're on the scientific part, it's like. You know, if I can't do any of the above, then forget it. That this, there's no reality. If I can't reproduce it, yeah, it's yeah. well, then it's matter. worthless. Exactly, you know, and, it's worthless. and I don't need to look into it anymore. You know, exactly, so, <laughs> exactly. Uh, that it, it, and it. I mean, it it could go in so many directions. I'm gonna ask you one like last question, John, and I wanted to see mm -hmm. what your opinion is on this. Okay, since we were talking about portals and interdimensional, intra, inter interdimensional, all that groovy stuff. You, you, I'm sure you've heard of all these people uh, that have disappeared in the in the in these national parks under very, very un, you know unusual circumstances. Okay, in California, yeah, there were a couple that happened. Oh, right. Well, Yosem Yosemite, from what I understand, is like a hot spot. Yeah. Do you think? I mean, there's I, I've heard the, you know, uh, Bigfoot, uh, extraterrestrial, or do you think that's possibly possible? Even though I'm, I'm, that we're talking uh, some type of either uh, an interdimensional pocket or slip there or are hole gateways. or oh yeah, there are there are gateways. There are I, I've seen shows about it. Like for some mm -hmm. reason, the closet tends to be a place in a house in a lot of. <laughs> oh my God! Yes. <laughs> What's going on? You're right. That? 
but th there are like interdimensional pockets that tend to crop up in closets for some reason. I, there's, there's, yeah. That's a book. That's got to be a book. <laughs> it is. Uh, Let me tell you something. You're absolutely right. <laughs> Uh, I knew this guy that was in deliverance ministry for 17 years, and the stories that he had were phenomenal. I mean, resurrections from the dead. I mean, just he resurrected a bird from the dead. You know, wow. I mean, just just bizarre things. Seen uh, people teleport or, or not teleport? Um, Levitate. Demonstrate telekinesis oh. just to freak him out, and he was like totally unfazed. You know. Okay. said, no, no, I, I got power, I got power, and would throw the pager on the ground and hold out his hand, and the pager floated up, landed in his hand, and he's like, so? You know, <laughs> what does that do? You know, so what? You got a parlor trick. Your demon is controlling you. Doesn't that concern you? And, uh... You know, so this guy had all these stories, but he told me about uh, portals, and he said mm -hmm. that there's a portal over here uh, not too far out on Highway 41, that he'd okay. actually seen it. He he's able to see some of these things. Okay. And uh, yeah, it, it's just amazing the stories that that he has and stuff, and then other stories that I've heard uh, where there are gateways. Okay. Like like a ghost, for example. Here's another odd one. Ghosts tend to use doors. Yeah. Why don't they just go through the wall? Right. But they don't. And my theory is they probably have a problem with electricity it might bug them. Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, I've always wondered, like, what would happen if you brought one of those zapper things to, to a house that was haunted, you know, those little racket things that are electricity mm -hmm. and use that, you know, going around there like, come on, yeah. ghost, wherever the hell you are, uh, you know, I'll jack you up. So, you know what? Yeah, there's, oh, a, there's a book thing. written um, by a psychiatrist. His name was Wickland. And he wrote a book mm -hmm. called 30 Years Among the Dead. He was a well-known psychiatrist trained in Chicago. Bottom line, <clears throat> around the 1910s, 1920s, he would do uh, – they're not exorcism. It's detaching attachments. His wife acted as a medium. Mm -hmm. Guess what he would use to detach them or to get them out to talk? A, a minor electrical shock to the person. Okay, so my theory was right. I, yes. I had that theory all along. Yes, yes. Kind of wanting to test it, but – you know, yes. that's interesting, and, and it doesn't surprise me. Yes, and he says the first time that he had an experience was he was a medical student, and he was in the, you know, back then, the, uh, the he was practicing his anatomy on a cadaver, mm -hmm. and he heard some crackling, and this was his first experience with, he was a medical student, he was totally science. Yeah. And that was his first experience with, uh, with basically a ghost. And you know, later on, and he was, and his field of study was psychiatry. But yeah, he would dislodge it, and he gave it um, with that l a minor electrical shock. You know, we're not talking electrotherapy or nothing like that for people mm -hmm. that are thinking, no, 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 no. Uh, and when you mentioned that, I was like, oh, I've heard this before. Yes, yes. Yeah. So it's 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 a fascinating. Let me ask you, Art, since you've written so many books, do you have any any in the works right now? Uh, right now, I'm kind of on pause just because of the the marketing aspect of it. Uh, I spent myself into oblivion, and I, I haven't been selling anything. You know, mm -hmm. I've been giving them away. I was giving them away for like I don't know, 15 years, just wow. free downloads. But yes. um, you can only afford to do that for so long, and, sure. and actually keep writing and supporting the you know keeping the website up and running and stuff like that. So yes. Um, now I have uh, my website set up that if anybody wants a book for free, 
Mm-hmm. I will give them a book for free if they agree to give me a review on Amazon. That's a great so idea. That's a deal for, for anybody that wants to go to my website, johnmyler.com. Uh, any book, pick any book you're curious about. I'll email it to you on our system, and mm-hmm. uh, you can you can give me a, a free review. Um, and uh, I, I have ideas on several books, uh, but uh, my I, I recently retired. Now I'm uh, full-time uh, at Pacific Gas and Electric uh, Cybersecurity. has mm-hmm. really sucking up a lot of my time. Um, sure. But uh, I always have two or three books in my head. And um, sure. I do try to, uh, what I've been doing is uh, actually writing articles and posting them on my website. And then That's I'll great. make my rounds. And uh, there's a children's book, too, that I want to make a video series on. Okay. Uh, the Gathering. This is okay. about the animal's journey to Noah's Ark. That's a, that's a kid's book? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, lots of pictures. Uh, okay. Uh, so it, it's actually got a, a picture for for every chapter, and there's 50 Okay, chapters. okay. And it's it's part for kids, part for adults. Every chapter has a commentary so mm-hmm. that, like, youth pastors or parents can read about how the story connects to the Bible okay. in many okay. different ways. But uh, I was going to do a 52 video, 52 videos to attach to each of the chapters, uh, but you really don't need the videos. Uh, the commentary does it. There's commentary notes that cover it. So oh, that's wow. a project, kind of a comprehensive project. And uh, Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but I was going to tell you, I can tell you're a writer at heart, among other things. So Yeah. Yeah, and not, it, not a marketer, but a writer. So yes, that most writers aren't marketers, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It's it's but but the thing that you were saying, yeah, I might not be writing, but I'm percolating ideas in my head. Mm-hmm. I could tell. Yeah. Anyway, John, I hope you come back because I would love to talk to you because we could talk about a lot of stuff. But either way, I want to wish you the best of luck in all your projects coming up. All right, thank you very much. And thank it you has been fascinating to speak to you. All right, yeah, this was a great interview. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow. Wasn't he a great guest? God. You have to admit. You have to admit. (laughs) As Marlene, you say the same thing about all your guests. Of course, because that's why I invited them to be my guests. Um, Because I think that... God, this was a lot of the stuff that he talked about. It's like, wow, I could talk to you about this and this and that and that. And I would love for him to say, talk about some of the stories, things that he's experienced. You know, like he said, you know, after he's had that moment when he was, what, 20, 21 or whatever. Um, and I believe him when he says, because I know that, how can I say it? Yeah, you know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, if you go out, you know, looking for ghosts or whatever, you know, whatever it is, Bigfoot. But there's times, which by the way, these are the experiences that I think are the the, the best ones when you're not looking for it. And somehow, once you get, you put your foot in that field, they, 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 the the experiences come to you. All right. Experiences come to you. And sometimes they're so subtle that if you're not paying attention, you don't get it. They, and sometimes you recognize an unusual thing later on when you're like, wait a minute. Um, 
but yeah, it's not, it, you know, a lot of people think, oh, when you go into the paranormal, whatever the case might be, it's always got to be full blown. You know, I saw an apparition, I saw whatever, something monumental, you know, something fell off the shelf or, you know, was thrown across. No, 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 no. Okay. Once you're in that, and let's say you're not on a case, you're just doing your thing, whatever it might be, anywhere, by the way, a lot of things happen that it's almost like they have been in your presence. And, and I'm sure there's stuff that's happened around me that I never even caught it. I'm sure it was just because, you know, we're especially nowadays, that everybody's multitasking. For you know, I think we're an automatic pilot with multitasking. Um whether we're at work or you know, get home and whatever. And a lot of things just, you know, a peripheral vision when it comes to stuff like that, you know, it narrows because when you're like caught up like on a to-do list. But yeah, I would love to ask him what are his experiences because a lot of things do happen once you put your foot in that field. However, and I want to qualify that statement because I've said it before. Once you're in this, doing this, whether it's paranormal research, whatever, well, I don't care, whatever you want to call it, you always have to draw a very um, strict boundary between your personal life or the, your families and that type of work. Okay? You do. And, and in a physical sense. Um because like I said, I've seen people that get absorbed by this type of work and it basically swallows them up because they're like, you know, and then they ignore their things in their lives. And, 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 I, and, and I, I will say that I've seen occasion where basically the work opens a dark doorway into their lives because they just have never put down that boundary. All right. With whatever their research is or the cases they're doing or whatever the case might be. Right, it's almost like beguiles you into that total twenty-four-seven kind of like, eh? and then before you know it, that's when dark, strange things start happening. But yeah, um, I let me tell you, I think uh, he, I got to bring him back. I got, I got a lot of things I would like to ask him about, you know. Um, because that's usually the... And by the way, one thing that he pointed out, which I think is great, and I've mentioned it before, you can be analytical, science-based, whatever you want to call it, you know, and then also have another part of your brain or your thinking process or your belief system that is not that delineated, that there's that softness on the edges which allows... If not acceptance, at least leaving the door open to say, okay, I might not understand that or that sounds crazy at, from the get-go, but let me explore exactly what that's about because maybe <clears throat> there's more to it than just, no. In other words, those those two things can exist within one person. That's the way it is with me. All right? I can be very analytical, super analytical. All right? But there's another part of me which is not that way. And which is the one that allows me, even when I hear things or see things at the first, I'm like, oh, forget this. What a bunch of, and then I'll catch myself after I do that, that initial explosion of forget it. This is, and then I'll stop a minute. And that's one thing you you learn about yourself. And then I'll, I'll start thinking about it. And depending how much I know, and then one of two things, either I find out more or say, okay, you know what? This sounds implausible, 
improbable, impossible. But what if there is something to it? I'm not going to discount it just because I don't understand it at the moment. All right. The flip side of that is that you don't take everything hook, like, and sinker and like, ah, there's times that you have every right that you should question it, examine it. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with putting a concept, a belief, uh, an event, uh, something that you saw on the back burner and say, okay, I'm going to put you there for a bit because I need to find out more about this. You know, it, it, because either it's not what it seems and why this, I mean, things, is, and even people. I need to find out more about this. Let me let me let me do some research on this. I call that the R word, research. Uh, so, what I'm saying is, we 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 should both be capable of both things, all right. And I think that we're we're like I was saying, if you're too rigid, because it makes you feel secure or in control, you know that rigidity costs you. It costs you. The flip side of it is that you could these rigid people that. Things are this way and the world is this way and this is what's true and that's what's not true and this is because of not, if not, I can't function because I need to know that that's it. Whether it's there's no such thing as extraterrestrials or Bigfoot or ghosts or whatever. But, you know, whatever your concept of the reality is that, that that rigidity demands so that you you think that this is how you can function, okay, you lose out because the richness of life as a human being is to allow some flexibility where you hear, see things, and you analyze it or think about it. Remember, always at the end, you can reject it and say, you know what, even if it's true, but that's not for me. I don't know, it doesn't make me feel right, I don't like it. Nothing, nobody's ever saying. Or you say, you know what, whether it's an idea, God, whatever. But anyway, you know, we're, we're better for it or at least have the knowledge of it. I say, yeah, I've heard of that. And I know that this is what it entails, and I think it's a BS, or yeah, it's okay, but not for me, not my bag, baby. Or it's like, yeah, I'm totally on board with that theory, whatever, whatever it is, belief system, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, anyway, guys, don't forget, sign up for my newsletters. Uh, You're going to get maybe... Once a week, uh, one of my articles off Substack, and uh, I also send out uh, some of my uh, podcast versions of the shows, usually ahead of time before they come out on uh, YouTube. Or um, remember, I'm on BitChute, I'm on, I'm on Steemit, I'm on the, you name it. I'm 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 everywhere. I'm on Rumble, I'm on all the video podcast versions and then podcast versions. So um, also, you know, wherever you find me, you could just subscribe and you get notified. You could find me on uh, the show on Roku via Rumble. If you, you can download the Rumble and I'm on there as MP Pelliser. All right. I'm also launched a, a paranormal news edition version. And I've spoken about this in earlier shows. It's called Eerie News. And you top, type in eerie.news, no.com, eerie.news, and it'll take you to that page. I do an article version of it, and then I do at least every other day until I get a little bit more flexible on this. At least every other day, I put out a video version of the paranormal news at, as eerie.news. All right, so, and again, guys, I've got great guests, great guests coming on, new guests, old guests. 
coming on talking about different things, you know, new concepts. Again, remember, you know, and this is for those people because I watched regular news. When I mean regular news, there's a lot of stuff going on in our world. Okay. Believe me, I'm not the type of person that buries their head in the sand. I am not. I am not. Um, and, you know, when I bring some of the stuff, these shows and these topics and these uh, authors or people that, that I'm uh, interviewing or if I do the, 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 the podcast series that I have, Nightshade Diary or Supernatural Storytime, believe me, I enjoy it and that's that's my bag, baby. But I also, I'm hoping that for some of my audience, this is just a little time that you could like withdraw from the reality of what's going on in our world, which sometimes is pretty scary and threatening and uh well that's how can i say it for us people for us humans that we like our regular stuff it seems that we just don't know what's around the corner and that can cause a lot of anxiety and worry and so i'm hoping that if you come and you listen to some of my stuff even if it's for an hour half an hour whatever the case might be it's like i'm going to check out for a little bit and listen to marlene and her crazy stories and her interviews and whatever the case might be and some of the stuff which i think is what a bunch of mm, or man, that's really interesting. Whatever the case, that at least you can suspend that. Um, how can I say it? You know, because there's some people that really follow the news and trends and everything closely, and there's others that don't. But forget it. With some of the stuff that's going on, there's no escaping it. Okay, I don't care how detached you are. You're, you're, it's getting. It, it's there. Um, that. You know, this is going to ease your mind for just a little bit. It's going to help you not to telescope on problems so that all of a sudden it's like things things become out of proportion in your head. All right. So I hope you come back every week. Spend some time with me. We hear some crazy stuff. And of course, like always, I think you're all wonderful. Take care. See you next week.